What's it like being the parent of a special needs baby? In today's story, one mother's blog gives guidance on bottles, boobs, and feeding tubes. Stay tuned. Welcome to Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hotchkiss. Each week I bring you stories that inspire, educate, and give you hope. I want to thank my sponsor and podcast producer, The Motivated Mind Group. A newborn baby is a bundle of joy, but can also be a bundle of challenges. It can be a lot to navigate for new parents and can leave new moms feeling overwhelmed and alone. My guest today is Natasha Williams, who shares her experience giving hope and a sense of community for new moms. Welcome, Natasha. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes. I understand you have a blog called Bottles, Boobs, and Feeding Tubes. Yes. Tell me where that comes from. What what was the inspiration on that? So Bottles, Boobs, and Feeding Tubes came about when I had my twins, and I was talking to a friend, and I was like, I feel like the easiest part where everyone says the easiest part of having a baby is eating and sleeping. Okay. Um, with all three of mine, that has just not been the issue. It's been a challenge with all three of my kids. Um, what are the challenges? Well, my son, he ha- was born with eczema and he had a lot of allergies and they believed he might have had a milk protein allergy. So in order to breastfeed, they were like, you should um, cut out soy and dairy. That's no longer a recommendation all the time, unless it's like a real true allergy. Um, But he also had trouble gaining weight. So I wanted to, my initial goal was to exclusively breastfeed for at least six months. And then I wanted to breastfeed for two years as the recommended recommendations. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And... um, It just didn't happen that way. Um, I had to supplement with a special formula. And so that was my first kind of disappointment with like parenting and my goals and like what I visioned motherhood would be like. And then my twins, um, both of them had a tongue and lip tie that needed to be revised. One breastfed after that, but I had a lot of pain before it was revised and for people who don't know what a lip and tie is what is that that's where the tongue and the lip is kind of like fused oh wow and then they go in and they laser it um to kind of give that full range of the tongue and the full range of the lip because if it's tied then like the baby can't form and there's the, no sucking because there's not the op- the oh, sucking okay. is inadequate. Is that where or? the feeding tubes come in? On no, your <laughs> okay. the feeding tube comes from my other twin who she did not really want to eat. Um, we had a lot of difficulties getting her to eat. Um, she had poor motor sucking ability, and eventually she had failure to thrive. And I had to push for a feeding tube, and she had that from about five months until about ten months where we started using a honey bear, which is like the little honey bottle, and it had a straw. And her therapist was like, try this. So we would squirt the water, like in, not the water, milk, the milk into her mouth. And then she would kind of close her mouth and then swallow it. So bottles, boobs, and feeding tubes with all of my kids, I've breastfed, but I also had to exclusively pump. And um, one of them was on a tube feeding. So that must've been very challenging. 
you have three children, special needs, different needs. Yes. What are the challenges that you had to overcome with each of these? Initially, um, one of my challenges was just expectations. Um, what I expected motherhood to be like or just what it felt like to have a newborn and um, being able to control every aspect of that. Um, the other one is advocating. Uh, I've advocated for patients, but and sometimes myself, but I didn't have a real reason to keep going in and saying, no, this is what's going on. I need you guys to look further or send me to this specialist so we can keep at least ruling out causes so that we could figure out what was the initial root cause of my one twin having feeding difficulties. Um, what is it that the blog is to do for an expected mother or a mother um, who's having the same challenges? What are you trying to teach her to show her? So for the blog, it's mostly just um, education, um, personal experience, and as well as providing like resources. Um, it's not just specifically to mothers with feeding difficulties, but when there's this um, divide in the mother community as whether you're breastfeeding or formula feeding, if, you're, if you've had um, anything with just motherhood in general, there's like this huge divide where it feels like you have to have one or the other or be one or the other or do one or the other. And really, it's just about community and providing resources all around motherhood in general. It's not just specifically to feeding. I also talk about like postpartum, perinatal mental health. I understand there's also a per very personal part about this. It's not just the postpartum. It's not just about feeding. There's actual a story behind you that promotes and helps mothers. You want to share that with us? So Aurora Health and Wellness is my primary care practice. I'm a nurse practitioner, a certified health coach, and I also am certified in perinatal mental health. And with Aurora Health and Wellness, I don't just specifically um, target primary care, but also pregnancy wellness, postpartum support, and then parenting resources if you are concerned about developmental delays. And the name Aurora Health and Wellness came about from my daughter. Her name was Aurora Lily, and she was between my son and my twins. I was 20 weeks pregnant when we went in for an ultrasound, and the doctor, well, not the doctor, the ultrasound tech um, told me that she had anencephaly, which is where part of the skull or brain, all of that does not form correctly. and at that point in pregnancy, there's nothing really they can do about it. And it's one of those, whether you carry the term or deliver early, there's no real chance of survival. None. None. As a mother, the loss of a child is one of those unimaginable pains. Yes. As you know. Knowing that you went in for an ultrasound and being given this diagnosis, how did that make you feel? Initially, it's one of those, because I'm the medical professional of the house, it's like when I hear something and I'm like, I go into, I already know what that means. I know what the outcome is going to be. And it's, I usually just go straight to just um, 
the problem solving part of it. And when the technician walked out, my husband was like, what does that mean? And like, I just started crying. What um, does it mean? It means that we would either carry to term and then I would deliver her and then say goodbye or deliver early and then also say goodbye. And being a mom, those of, the, those of us who are moms, that's a tough decision to make because either way the outcome was going to be the same. Yes. So what was the choice that you had made? Um, after speaking with my um, OB and then my husband and for about a week I searched the internet for like support groups and just people who had experienced it and what they decided. Um, I decided to go ahead and deliver early at 20 weeks. So I was induced and then I did deliver her and that was the decision we made. My heart beats fast because that's you know an end of life yes. and there's nothing you could do. Tell me more about how you actually felt knowing you had to make this decision and then what you would have to do moving forward because I know you have other children as you spoke about. Yes. The initial feeling was I hope like, it's one of those, like, you hope the diagnosis is right. Understood. That was one of my biggest fears. Understood. Was, um, and then... It's okay. This is where we get real. It's okay. Whew, I made it through the last one. You're okay. <laughs> You're okay. No one's going to be able to relate if we're not honest. True. Right. Um, And then it was... I never even pictured like postpartum. Like I didn't realize I went through postpartum until I was going through a lactation course a few weeks ago. And I was like, oh yeah, I was postpartum during that period too. Mm -hmm. So there's the, the hormones, the emotions. Um, Saying goodbye is not an easy thing. No, no, not at all. And I'm gonna assume that's why you have such a strength being a mom with the other kids even though you have talked about the challenges yeah with your blog and that's where I was wondering if your blog allows other mothers to get vulnerable as you just did to share their emotions it seems like society accepts certain things and doesn't accept certain things I met a lady and she um she said um her medication saved her life um dealing with postpartum depression I wasn't her provider but it's just when you hear those stories of people saying that the stigma behind mental health and getting help and taking medications and understanding that it may not be forever so let's um, break that stigma right now because not everybody understands what postpartum I personally did not experience it I've heard about it mm -hmm. so here's why I want you to share with us what is postpartum for those who don't know what that is Postpartum is actually the period of time after you deliver, um, and it can go from the delivery up until a year, but that's just the period of time. And then you have postpartum depression, you have postpartum anxiety, you can have postpartum psychosis. Um, what are the triggers? Sometimes it's hormonal. Uh, sometimes it's you already have an underlying condition of like depression anxiety and it's just exacerbated and then sometimes there's no real known triggers like for postpartum psychosis um it can just come on and you 
you have no someone who's never had any kind of mental health problems no psychotic episodes or do not have any history of like bipolar or schizophrenia and it's just one of those things that we're still studying it and trying to figure out where and why it occurs how do you coach someone through postpartum it depends um so it's really for coaching it's bringing people to under like learn themselves basically a lot of times when you go to your provider we're like hey you have this take this and go home whereas coaching is like okay so now we have this diagnosis how are you feeling let's work through those feelings and then as we continue to work through those feelings what can we do to help you solve not solve it but work through it um so it's basically people identifying their challenges identifying their goals goal setting is like actually probably one of the hardest thing for people because that goes for every part <laughs> of our life that's not just having a baby yes. or after having a baby in making time for yourself and yeah. understanding that it's okay for you to take that time mm -hmm. and a lot of times it's un like realizing you need that time mm -hmm. like what is going on what are your what are your triggers um so what now, causes you to feel overwhelmed so now in this coaching do you actually have it to where it's a family setting as well maybe perhaps there's a partner that comes in we could Yes, okay. it, it really is individualized. So it's whatever the, the client needs. And if she's saying, hey, my partner is not understanding this aspect of what's going on with me. Can we have them in on a session? Yeah, it's it's going to be whatever helps you. Understanding that everything with motherhood is all about the family. It's, it's always, it's the baby. It's the parent, the other parent. It's the family members who lives in the house with you, who's also doing the care of the kids. Um, the family dynamic, who stresses you out the most? <laughs> so. Nobody stresses anybody <laughs> out. What are you talking who about? Who you allow to stress <laughs> you out? Oh, good selection. Good, or excuse me, good choice. <laughs> yeah. So after losing Aurora, what was the pivoting moment that you wanted to help other mothers? I've been involved with like helping moms for a while. I just didn't think it was a passion. Um, I saw my first birth when I was 17 and um, I thought it was interesting, but I didn't think I would go into it. As a nurse, I was a postpartum nurse um, when I was in Alaska. And I just did that voluntarily, and I thought it was But fun. you saw a lot of different emotions. You probably were even attached to some of these individuals in being a nurse, I'm going to assume. I, I enjoyed the time and being able to teach um, when they needed help, even though I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done this. Um, but I've helped moms latch their babies for the first time when the lactation consultant wasn't around, or I've just helped them realize like the normal what normal poop looks like like oh no that's normal <laughs> and or um helping them get to the bathroom after a c-section the um, successes of motherhood in the very beginning <laughs> yes but to help them further on that you you talk about the physical part but now about the emotional part you've already shared aurora mm -hmm. and then you also shared about the struggles and challenges you had with your children what's the emotional part that you're able to help them with I think just feeling like that it's okay to not be okay, like you mentioned earlier, like it's okay to struggle. Um, 
I don't think we were meant to do motherhood alone. Mm -mm. I think that we were meant to have family, friends around. And so we've gotten into this society where um, the moms are either stay-at-home moms and their partner's working, and they're doing it, feeling like they're doing it alone. Were you a nurse after Aurora? I was. Okay, so then that puts you on a different emotional connection. Yes. Seeing these mothers and then going back, and we all go back to the memory bank. Did you feel that there was a more of a connection and want to help these moms so that they wouldn't go through what you've experienced? I don't know if it was like a moment in time where I was like, no, um, I just want to help. It was, I think it was a combination of a lot of things. And after just talking with other moms, I was just like, okay, so I'm not alone. There's a need for this. Um, and I'm really passionate about it. And I love helping moms in that first moment or even during your pregnancy if you have concerns or questions. Um, I just feel like it's just one of those, like, I guess giving back. Like, I did it, I feel like I did a lot of it mentally alone where hindsight I'm like, oh, you really could have, like, shared with somebody. Um you could have found a resource of some sort. And I had, a, when I had my twins and they, my one daughter had a lot of developmental delays, I had um, a team, I feel like. And that's when I realized, like, okay, you know what? Had it not been for her therapist coming by every week to help us get her motorly, her motor skills up and feeding um, therapy and speech therapy. I think sometimes I I was like, I would say stuff to them and they would look at me like, I'm like, you know, you're my support person right now. (laughs) We all need support. (laughs) Absolutely. And so I think like if I hadn't had that, I would have been worse off mentally, maybe. What got you out of that? um, Meditation. Okay. Helped a lot. Um, And just really just focusing on being present. A lot of times we are worried about, well, what's the future going to look like? Well, what is my baby going to be able to do then? And I'm like, no, just focus on what she's doing now. What Focus on what you can control now. So there are many of opportunities where we can feel we're alone, especially when we're a mom, because now we have all these different responsibilities. And you spoke about feeling alone, not knowing those are resources. How do you help these women? I mean, have you experienced this personally that you felt alone? Yes. <laughs> How so? Um, well, after the birth of my son, um, it was one of those moments where everyone was there, and the baby, he was born, and then everyone left. And it was like, oh. Life back to normal. Well, yeah, left back to normal. Um, just in general, like my, my husband went back to work. Um, there was moments where I'm just like, oh. My my husband worked like a late night, like the swing or not third swing, shift, third shift. Okay. Um, well, it's like three to 11 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it was like, they call it the witching hour. And it was the hour where like your kid is just fussy. Like sometimes it's colic, sometimes they're just fussy. And it was like five o'clock every day. He was just fussy. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, what am I doing wrong? And I remember I was always reading. Like, I was constantly reading when I first had him. 
um, which is what I do anyway. Um, but then it was getting to the point where uh, I was like, this is too much. Like, what's going on with him? Is he doing Is everything right? And I had already had like one of those moments where the doctor was like, well, we're going to have to supplement. And I was, I felt for me, it felt like, well, what am I doing wrong? Like, why can't I feed my kid the way I want? And so that was actually the first moment. And I didn't realize then that it was postpartum anxiety. Um, I've always had anxiety. I didn't realize like that it was like an abnormal amount of anxiety. It was just, I didn't feel like it was anything. And when I had my twins, I realized then that that was a postpartum anxiety. And it's just now starting to be talked about as much as far as like, you hear about postpartum depression where you're down and, but the anxiety part, excessive worrying, always figuring, thinking something's gonna go wrong. With the baby, with you, with just life? Life, the baby, you. Everything. Everything, trying to like scenarios that may not actually happen, but they come to your mind. How do you reel that back in so that you're not worrying so much, if, if that's even an option? Um, for me, it was meditation. Okay. It was being aware of my thoughts. What, would, what would you su- suggest to someone that doesn't do meditation? Is there another way? Um, there's also, you can do medication okay. if it's that severe. Um, a hobby, whatever brings you peace, something that you enjoy doing that you forgot to do mm-hmm. as a new mom, mm-hmm. get back into that. Because even if it's not just meditation, it's that silence of doing it, or unless you like music and you rock out. Um, but if it's that just moment of silence and you're in your thoughts and you're doing something like painting or writing or cross-stitch or whatever it is that you So it sounds like find, a distraction from the anxiety. It's not really a distraction if you start to be aware. So it's a focus. Yes. Okay. So it's even meditation there. Sometimes it's like focus on your breathing, focus on if you're, you're giving guided meditation, focus on the light. So it's still a way of honing in into your thoughts. And then when you start to have those spiraling thoughts, you are able to stop and say, no, be in the moment. This isn't happening right now. It could happen, yes, but it's not happening. And what is going on? What can you control right now? What what can you be grateful for in this moment? Um, long term, how long does postpartum last? In uh, postpartum depression can last up to a year, but if it's not uh, controlled well, or in your your, it can turn into long term depression. Okay, so that's one of the the concerns with not handling it and then if you are also have um like bipolar things like that you're more likely to have um a harder time postpartum sometimes you're not it's really one of those you won't know until you know (laughs) but that was probably the first time when I realized that I was like I felt alone and like no one understands and you're trying to explain it. And unless it's someone else who experienced it, they're like, what's wrong? There's that's not possible that or it's just you just or even sometimes you don't want to explain it because then you're like, "Mm, they're going to think something's wrong with me. 
through this entire journey, because you've had a few challenges and you've shared them personally and professionally, where are the lessons or what lessons can be um, learned or shared for others? Um, the only thing that you can control is how you react. Sure. And how you allow someone to cause you to react. Um, and learning, just learning yourself. Um, I do that every day. <laughs> and it's a constant journey and healing is all ongoing. You might have a circumstance that triggers you and you're, you're getting ready to respond in that way that you always have that doesn't seem to benefit you. And you stop and breathe and then you figure out the tools that you've learned and you kind of react and respond differently. And that's where you're like, oh, okay, I got some work to do. I still have some work to do because that almost made me go. What did you gain out of this journey? Um, letting go of control. <laughs> I, uh, and not being perfect. Um, trying to, I call myself, I'm a recovering procrastinating perfectionist. I can relate to that one. <laughs> and procrastination, I used to say, oh, I can procrastinate and I do my best work at the last minute. And that might be true, but how much stress were you putting on yourself that however long of a time that you, you knew you had to get it done, but you waited and didn't. And then now you're on this time crunch. And then it's like, well, now it's not perfect. And it's okay to not be okay. Yes. Thank you for being my guest today. This inspiring story was brought to you by MMG, your global creative agency based right here in downtown Chandler. 